Hey everyone, welcome to episode 91 of the Switch Focus podcast. I'm your host, Andy Corrigan. Uh, with me, as always, is Andrew Brown. Honk! Jesus. <laughs> and Ginny Wu. Hi! Uh, no honking there from her. No, I'm good, actually. <laughs> We've got a good show for you this week. We're going to talk about Torchlight 2, uh, Sayonara Hearts. Wild Hearts. Uh, Link's Reawakening, the Untitled Goose Game, and uh, Nino Kuni, Wrath of the White Witch. So let's get right into uh, Lady Switch news. Okay, so uh, recently announced uh, was that Dragon Quest 1, 2, and 3 are all going to launch on the same day as Dragon Quest 11, uh, as if there wasn't enough Dragon Quest out this year. <laughs> you can never have too much Dragon Quest, Andy. Uh, I just... Why not just like a couple of weeks ago where people who were excited could have just been like, yay, Dragon Quest. Are you, are you guys really going to have time to get to any of these? I really <laughs> doubt that I'm going to have time to get to any of the Dragon Quests, even though they were on my list from earlier in the year. It's just... I just don't have the time. I I can't clone myself or time turn myself this month, even though I wish I could. It's just it's just too much. And I'm not a fan of the graphical updates they've done to these three games either. I wish they would have stuck with just the original sprite art rather than these updated HD graphics that are really bland and the colors are super boring. It It's not a good look for three great games, but you just look past that, there's still three great RPGs. It's kind of what they did to the iOS version of the original Final Fantasies as well, which is just not good looking at all. Just no charm. Yeah. Uh, Moving on, uh, the light switch is out now, or Switch Lite as it's actually called. It's called the light switch. Yeah, well, that's (laughs) what we're calling it. Um, I have to admit, uh, seeing them out in the wild in the shops over the weekend. I really want one. I kind of want one. Yeah. I really do. My my thought process being that my my proper switch is my my house one because it's got a bigger screen. I'll I'll play it around the house, but the uh, light one would be like my 3ds replacement and would go out everywhere with me, every day to work. Yeah, I'm I was not gonna bother and wait for a like a limited edition one, but I kind of really want one. What color would you get, Ginny? Uh, turquoise. Yeah, same. I like that one. Like, I know people go crazy for like pink peripherals and purple peripherals, but we, as a gaming community, deserve turquoise peripherals and turquoise accessories <laughs> and turquoise everything. Turquoise is the best color. Everything should be turquoise. That's what I've decided now. Uh, I like the sound of that. Uh, I'd like a red one. Mm, they should bring out a true. red one. Mm-hmm. And kind of breaking news, a couple of hours ago, uh, the developers of Cat Quest 2 announced that it's going to sneak into September along with literally everything else. Uh, coming out on September 24th, which is just like two days away for yeah. us Aussies. Yeah, I don't know where I'm going to find the time. I'm hoping it's as short as the previous one. Developers, publishers, stop releasing games in this week. Seriously, you are hurting yourselves. <laughs> it is crazy. Like People just they don't have that much money to spend on all these things. Yeah. And you know what? I, I sort of budgeted the you know the this sort of release frenzy thing eight like months ago decided what i was gonna buy and what i was gonna play and i didn't leave much room for surprises 
financially, so this <laughs> is one that will probably fall to the wayside. So, yeah. Uh, so that's the news. Uh, let's talk about what we've been playing in the last week. We're going to start off with uh, Andrew. He's been playing Torchlight 2, which was the, as we said before, the game people had turned to when Diablo 3 was not good. Uh, it is good now, <laughs> and you should buy it, especially on Switch, because it, it is great and a good port. But what about Torchlight 2, Andrew? How have you found that one? It was boring. <laughs> wow. <laughs> uh, I, I can see why it was an attractive prospect back when Diablo 3 first launched, and Diablo 3 was in a really rough shape back then in 2012. Like, seriously, the game that you play today is a completely different game from what Diablo 3 was back then. Uh, and this game does have a really solid core structure. This does feel like a game following on from Diablo 2 much more than Diablo 3 felt that way. But now that Diablo 3 has gotten so much better, and I'm sorry to constantly compare this game to Diablo 3, but it's unavoidable, Diablo 3 feels like it's evolved, and Diablo or, uh, and Torchlight 2, just, it just feels primitive now. I mean, I, I finished this last Sunday, last week. It's not very long. Like, it just kind of... I got to the final boss, and I was like, wait, that, that was the final boss? I didn't even realize that I was at that point in the story, because this game doesn't have much of a story to speak of, and there's not a whole lot that really happens. You, you, you are chasing this guy called The Alchemist, who is a character from the first Torchlight, and you spend the whole game chasing him and you finally catch him and then that's the end of the game <laughs> so it, it's it's not a very epic story it's not very interesting um i finished it last week as i said and we put our show notes together on i think like tuesday or wednesday was when we created our show notes I completely forgot that I'd even played Torchlight 2, and I didn't put them on the show notes until the <laughs> weekend, because uh, this was just an utterly, utterly forgettable experience. But if you're a fan of action RPGs, this is a $20 action RPG that is perfectly adequate, yet completely forgettable. Wow. But yeah, I, I had to fill in the rest of the week before we, the new releases started coming out, so I went back to Diablo 3, and just it was night and day how much better Diablo 3 <laughs> felt to play and had more things to do. Torchlight 2 is not it's not a very good game. Wow. Uh, I, I'm still interested. I kind of wish they'd done Torchlight 1 and 2 as a double pack or something. I feel like that would have made it a bit more uh, palatable as well. So yeah, uh, not a glowing review. Ginny, uh, have you played that one? You had anything to add? Um, I've only played it on PC. Um, <laughs> but um, as for... I don't know about you guys, but over here, Path of Exile was really big um, yeah. when Diablo 3 sucked. So, from what I remember playing of Torchlight 2, as someone who I already played Path of Exile, I was like, man, kind of wish I was playing Path of Exile. So, when they yep. port that one day, you know, I think that's going to be a, a, a vastly different experience. Um, I actually think there'll be a great port for the Switch. If they can do Torchlight 2, they can do, to they can do Path of Exile for sure. So. Mm -hmm. That will, I think playing it would just make me miss Path of Exile, really. <laughs> <laughs> Whoops. Okay, so the next one we're going to talk about is uh, Sayonara Wild Hearts, yeah. uh, which is one Ginny's been playing. It's super short. Is that right? It's pretty short? It is super short. So uh, depending on how decent you are with uh, rhythmic timing in, in combat slash uh, platforming, it'll take you between two to four hours, really. So as a rhythm game fiend, I just blasted through that in about two hours. Um, fun facts. Queen Latifah 
voices some stuff in that game. Hmm. And that sounds really weird, but it is true. Um, and the premise is that you're basically, you start a narrative adventure as someone who has had their heart broken. Um, and in Sayonara Wild Hearts, you play through a bunch of stages with like original composed pop music and other genres of music. Um, and you go on like a, a, a cathartic journey um, through these different stages, fighting these different um, altars slash people um, that you encounter, which I meant to symbolize in some way, the stuff that you're going through. And um, it was really good. I loved, I liked the aesthetic when I had first heard of the game earlier on in the year, but I hadn't actually known what kind of game it was going to be. So when I booted it up, I didn't expect any particular gameplay. I was like, it's going to be action RPG. Is it going to be like an endless running game? Is it going to be a platformer? It kind of pulls from different genres throughout um, the experience, but it's all rhythm. It's all rhythm based, so you have a good sense of rhythm that will serve you well in platforming segments and the combat segments. It's not a particularly difficult game, and it definitely works perfectly. I think with the joy with the joysticks that we have on the Switch. Like, I know people are complaining about how it handles on a mobile phone because you have to like hold down and swipe as you're steering and stuff, but obviously as Switch owners, we can just use the the, the beautiful Joy-Cons that we as have. As God intended. Um, so, <laughs> as God intended. So honestly, for me, no complaints. It's got a really great original soundtrack, a really great story. Um, it's got really good replayability as well. Like once you've cleared the game, you can go back through. There's different modes, so it's not just like a one and done. I've played two hours and my experience with the game is over. Um, I would say it kept me guessing throughout as to what each puzzle is meant to symbolize and where the story would go. Um, so I didn't expect it to end the way that it did. I didn't really know the story I was going on until after. Just from that alone, I think from how much the game surprised me, despite having seen a decent amount of marketing about it beforehand, I rate it pretty highly. And I know lots of my friends that have played it have said that it made them feel something <laughs> inside, whether that's like good or bad, if you like your games to make you feel a little less emotionally crusty. Um, and like, I'm someone that has trouble crying at, at really sad things. And I definitely felt like a twinge in my chest when I was playing this, <laughs> not in like a sad way, but like I, I definitely felt something like the way I feel, I feel when I played Final Fantasy nine and seven for the first time, <clears throat> obviously it's a glowing endorsement for me. I know people have been saying that people have been comparing it to Thumper and saying that it's not as like high energy and it's not, got the same vibe as Thumper, but in Thumper, you are literally trying to escape a uh, rhythm insect alien um, and fearing for your life. I wouldn't compare the two at all. Like, subject matter-wise, there is really no comparison for me. So um, I would honestly say, if you're like, do I want to get Sayonara Hearts on the Switch or on the phone? It handles way better on the Switch, from what I've heard and experienced myself. Most of my mates who have it on the iPhone, thanks to Apple Arcade. Um, and it's great. The music is great. If you're not sold yet, check out the soundtrack on Spotify. And if you like it, give it a crack. It's not very expensive. It's like 15, 20, 20 bucks, something like that. It's, it's, I think it's well priced what it offers you. Nice. So yeah. Uh, I knew barely anything about it, but when you said, um, in our team chat that it was like two hours long, then, then it picked my ears up because I like short games yeah. at the moment. Exactly. It's too much. Same. Yeah, I agree. So going from one emotionally draining sounding game to one that's emotionally cathartic, uh, let's talk about mm -hmm. Untitled Goose Game, which oh, is boy. just... I, I played it today in one sitting. Isn't that delightful? <laughs> <laughs> uh, so basically in this game you play as uh, a goose who is a jerk. 
uh, and you go around making the lives of everyone in this small village slightly worse. Not not to a, a hugely detrimental amount, but just enough to ruin their days. Uh, and it sort of plays out in like a almost like a stealth puzzle game where you you come into an area uh, and then you get a checklist of mean-spirited things to do, such as making someone hit their hand with a hammer by honking at the right time, or dragging their equipment into a nearby pond, or dropping stuff in the river, uh, and bas- basically just have to sort of play around with the environment, learn the rules, learn what triggers certain characters into doing certain things, so you can scratch that thing off your list. All the while it has this sort of beautiful piano soundtrack that it's used sparsely, but when it comes in it's used to brilliant effect, usually when you're running away with something as, as the goose. I loved it from start to finish. Uh, what what did you guys think of it? Andrew, I know you, you've played it. I played it yesterday, uh, and I, I wish it didn't end, and yet I still really appreciate that it doesn't try to be longer than it needs to be. Yeah. Yeah, because after you do finish it, you do get a whole new checklist of objectives that you can do, and some of them are just, like, new things that you can do now, and others are, like, speedrun and finesse challenges, so there's there's still more to do after you've, you've finished the game, but I, I still really appreciated that this is a, a great game, it's an original idea, uh, it's really well made, and it does what it's going to do, and then it's over. I mean, this is... There can't be enough good things said about this game this week, I think. Yeah, it absolutely knows how long it's it would be welcome for, and just ends when you're just really enjoying it, and then gives you a bunch of optional extras to do if you want to do them. It's hard to talk about it, because I don't want to spoil solutions for people, or situations, so, so yeah, so we'll... We'll keep it on that. Yeah, I haven't played it yet, and I really want to, so shush. <laughs> Ginny, the one bit of advice we would we will give you, and both me and Andrew did find this when we started playing, is just fully explore the area it puts you in at the beginning, because something will make a lot of sense much later on. Okay. There's, some, there's something in that little thicket that the goose okay. kind of lives in All right. that won't make any sense at first. You'll probably go with that, and you'll go, what the heck? And then when you get to the ending, it will mm-hmm. all click, and it makes the ending even more of a laugh riot than it already is. This <laughs> was a delightful game. I am so happy to have played it. This is I haven't been this pleased with an indie game since Octodad. Oh, nice. and you really did like Octodad. Octodad was great. I mean, it does what it's going to do. It has an original idea. It's very spirited and amusing, and it... it gets to the point and then it's over and then it's done it's this is what game design should aspire to be that is a that is a box quote right there this is what game design should aspire should aspire to be and uh, Aussie made i think gathering by the all the, the yeah, credits and the people right. people whose yes. whose names i recognized on there so, that's yeah. correct it is support your local so. developers everyone yeah, <laughs> yeah so uh, that's uh, two glowing reviews for me and Andrew. Uh, and Ginny, you're in for a treat. I kind of wish I could erase my brain and play it again, but yeah. Just run into a wall a couple of times and get a concussion. Don't yeah. try that at home, listeners, by the way, please. <laughs> uh, yeah, I don't want to get shut down by authorities of some sort. <laughs> yeah, so well, let's talk about the big release this week. So Legend of Zelda Link's Awakening, uh, the remake of one of my favourite games of all time. I know it's one of Andrew's favourite games ever as well. Uh, so this is a remake of a ooh, 
I can't do maths, but it was the original was released in ninety three. Twenty three oh, years. That's a long wow. time. Twenty three years old. Twenty six. Twenty six. <laughs> Twenty six. Okay, none of us can maths. Maybe it's a thing with people called Andrew. <laughs> Definitely is. Uh, I suck at math. Hey, it's a good thing I don't work in an accounting <laughs> office, huh? <laughs> <laughs> Come, you know, coming from it being one of my favorite games of all time, certainly my favorite two D Zelda game. Sorry, a link to the past, but this this one tops you. Multiple reasons for that. I think I just got around to playing this one first. It was the first game I ever beat without using a guide or help of of any variety, which meant it took me like mm. months uh, compared to the two days it's nearly taken me now. If you've played the original like many, many, many times over the years like I have, then you will just breeze through this really quickly because the the changes are, are minimal, but there are, there are some there. Uh, so the story is sort of takes place, I guess it's kind of like a, a direct sequel to A Link to the Past. So uh, Link is traveling by boat somewhere, runs into a storm, and then he washes up on a little place called Koholin Island, which is all mystical and a whole new world some you know same enemies as everywhere else and he meets a girl who looks remarkably like like zelda called marin uh, and then he sets about trying to get you know get back on his journey and then there's all this intrigue um you, you get sent to some dungeons and you have to uh try and wake this sleeping uh thing called the windfish uh, along the way you will discover what exactly that entails and what it means and then it sort of settles into the, the typical Legend of Zelda rhythm that you all you know all know and love. The thing I want to point here without spoilers is it has a beautifully bittersweet ending um, that just uh, that it, it hit mm. me as a kid and I, I can't wait yeah. to see how that has been redone with these beautiful graphics. Uh, speaking of which, uh, the the graphical style is really charming. They've gone for like a it's almost they almost look like toys, but it's it, it is pretty much just the the Game Boy style brought to life. This time with you know more than two colors, <laughs> yeah, more than, <laughs> more three, than pixels. three pixels. At the time, yeah. But uh, Link kind of looks uh, like he did on the Game Boy version if he was just realized in three D. He he kind of looks like a Funko Pop. Actually, it's a little unnerving at times. Yeah. No. Oh, you're right. You just ruined the game for me, Andrew. Thanks. Yeah. Oh, I hate Funkos. You're oh, welcome. Actually, I I bought the amiibo, and he seems like he looks like a toy. I know he has a toy as an amiibo, but you know what I mean. <laughs> <laughs> He's really shiny. You are a toy. <laughs> That's my Tom Hanks voice. <laughs> Thanks for clarifying for the audience, by the way. Uh, he, the, the the amiibo is like super shiny though, so it does really sort of hammer home that that toy aspect. Um, and that that aspect actually brings to life some of my favorite scenes from the original like in just brilliant ways uh there's a, a beachside scene that I, I won't go into the full detail of which is really lovely and charming uh followed by a weird like fourth video fourth wall video gamey thing <laughs> i'm talking about uh marin the Marin is not a trophy she's a person <laughs> talking of charm though I, I did like the way uh in uh, the starting village so all the kids sort of break the fourth wall to teach you uh, button instructions so I've heard that if you press the cross button and you can go into this inventory or the subscreen and don't ask me what that means I'm just a kid <laughs> <laughs> yeah that was actually really quite funny yeah 
like all the, all these characters all all just feel so memorable and unique. I can't remember his name now, just off the top of my head. But Marin's dad, who keeps Taryn. you know, appearing in Taryn, That's it. Keeps a, keeps appearing in like little scenarios where he's he's stuck and needs help. And he's just geographically challenged. Like there's nothing really for it, you know. And he's totally not Mario. <laughs> and there is uh, this uh, old fella in the starting village who who won't talk to you in person because he's very shy. But there's all these like telephone huts littered around the island that you can go into and pick up the phone and ask him for help when you're stuck. Which is, you know, obviously a reference to the Nintendo tip line. But you know, it was done in in '93, so that that was uh, that was funny even back then. Yeah, um, I found. Like in the modernization stuff, they give you more. The Switch has more buttons than the original Game Boy, of course, which only had two like action buttons. Uh, so they've they've actually upgraded that. I hadn't even thought of that as a consequence of having a remake on the Switch. Uh, so things like the Pegasus boots in the original, which allow you to dash and hit things and run through certain obstacles, they uh, in the original you'd have to put them on manually every time you wanted to use them and and here it's just assigned to one of the shoulder buttons same for like the the power bracelet which lets you pick up heavy items in the original game you had to equip it here it's just a thing you can do which is really neat and it's really helped with um dodging attacks because the uh, rock's feather which lets you jump in the air uh Mm. having that extra button i've pretty much just had that permanently assigned yeah I, I put to it one of the buttons. I put yeah. it on X. That way, it's the same jump button as in Breath of the Wild, and I never took it yes. off. <laughs> yeah. Yes. Yeah. Same. Same. Um, and uh, yeah, so that that is just like beautiful, like quali- quality of life stuff, which you, you know you would hope they would they would do in this one. The other thing, there's there's some comical updates to some of the text here and there. So uh, in the original. Uh, there's a thing where you can win a Yoshi doll from like a, a claw machine or a skill tester or whatever you want to call them. Um, in the original, it made light of how Yoshi's appearing in more and more things because he was a fairly new character back in those days. And when you win him in this one, it's it's joking about how you can't move for games featuring Yoshi, which I thought was a nice nice little touch. Uh, as an aside, that claw game in this one can go to hell. Uh, <laughs> it is desperately unfair and I spent more time uh trying to get that Yoshi doll and the heart piece from that shop than I did beating like the first dungeon. <laughs> yeah, I like walked right in and I was like, Yep, I'm walking right back out. <laughs> like this is not one of my strengths. So I know I ain't about this. Usually when I play Link's Awakening I will just play the crane game over and over and over again on a new file until I bought everything in the shop. Uh, I did not do that in the remake. I got the Yoshi doll, and I got the heart piece, and I got the heck out of there. <laughs> Same. It didn't take me that long, like 10 minutes tops, but still. Can I ship my Switch over to you? <laughs> but you know, even after you get those items out of it, there's still more things to get in there. Mm. Um, the funny thing is that the Yoshi doll is like the start of this big... Uh, trading quests, some parts of that trading quest are essential to progress through the story. They all are. Um, yeah. Uh, well, yeah. Well, of course, you have to lead from one to the next to get to the point to, to where it is story essential. Uh, I mean that if you're not on top of that, you might hit a point where you get stuck until you go ah, do the mm-hmm. thing. 
as soon as you walk out of that shop with the Yoshi doll in this one, you get a kid who runs up and says, oh, hey, my, my mum would love that doll, and that sort of points you in the right direction. I don't remember it doing that in the original. I feel like you've played it more recently than I have. I don't think it did. So it does do some little things just to make it a little friendlier for a, for a modern crowd, which I, I thought was pretty good. Um, there's uh, collect-a-thons happening as well. In the original, you had to collect uh, secret seashells, uh, which you would sort of build up your number of so you could unlock a better equipment um i'm not sure i ever did that in any of my playthroughs i think i just you know rushed through to the boss mm, what yeah. about you andrew did you go completionist on that one i feel like you would have a number of times and they've made that mechanic a lot less finicky in this game uh in the remake in the original game there was actually more secret seashells in the game than you needed to get the most powerful sword uh, which was good because there were several secret seashells you could miss, including secret seashells you actually got from the secret seashell mansion, but only if you went at the mansion when you had 10 and 15 seashells. If you went with 16 seashells and 11 seashells, you did not get that bonus seashell. But in this version of the game, once you get past a certain, a certain threshold, even if you go over it, you get the reward anyway, and there are more rewards than just an extra seashell they've they've really expanded on this uh, and there's a lot more to it than just the basic game so if you're really familiar with link's awakening and you you think you can beat it with your eyes closed which was the position i was in uh this game still has surprises for you the dungeons themselves are amongst my favorite in the 2d zeldas um I think generally they're they're pretty shorter than the the main console ones, mm. which is is to be expected because it was on, uh, you know, less powerful hardware could fit less on the cart. Uh, I'm fine with that. I find that really enjoyable. Um, equally, I am breezing through the game really quickly. I think I've just got two more dungeons to go as we record, and like, I hadn't expected to be that far along by now. But once once you know this this game like i was worried that coming into it i would i would take my well take a while to find my feet as soon as i got to that first dungeon i was just on my way and i haven't looked back since i'm just yeah such in the rhythm it's like riding it. a bike to be honest yeah like, i honestly thought the reskin would change things and the additions would really change the experience i don't say that they don't add to it but i think if you've played the original a lot of times then this is definitely going to be you're not going to find it difficult in the slightest um, that's just one thing I'm going to say is like, it's not, this is not the game. This is not the, this is not the Zelda game that you play to feel challenged. <laughs> I would say it's got some of the shortest, shortest dungeons, I think in the whole, in the whole franchise, if I'm not mistaken. Um, so I, I really would not say that this is the game that you would play to, uh, to torment yourself. Um, so none of that, <laughs> none of that dark souls masochism here. <laughs> Speaking of familiarity, like how much this feels like the original game, maybe you guys did this too. A number of times I opened my inventory to equip an item that is now assigned to a specific button. I, I tried it with the power. Yes. Yeah. I tried it with the power yeah. bracelet yeah, many times. Right. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh, it has kind of made me want to play the uh, original again. So I reckon I'll get my 3DS out once this one's beaten. Um, just mm. to sort of familiarize myself with with you know what has changed um i haven't noticed this but uh, andrew certainly did there's been some small revisions to the map to make getting around a little easier the biggest revision i've noticed is there's now a ladder 
connecting Telltale Heights to Canalette Castle. Canalette Castle was a big pain in the butt to get to because it was not near anything uh, in the original game, but this makes it a lot easier to get back to that area and move between those areas. That's the biggest revision I've seen, but there are a few other very small changes around which mostly relate to the new pieces of heart that have been added to the game as well. I think that's that's all we have we can really say about it is uh, so I mean just like as a fan of the original are you in are you, would you say you're enjoying this would you recommend it to to newcomers and and original fans Andrew to newcomers yes definitely uh, like I think people should still play Game Boy games Game Boy games are still good uh, but mm-hmm. I can understand mm-hmm. if if you need this level of visual fidelity and audio quality to keep you engaged in a game if that's just where you're at in your lifetime as a game player fine uh but like you know you you can still find used link's awakening carts for less than 20 bucks you can get link's awakening on virtual console for less than 10 so like there are options out there to play that and they're much cheaper than this version but this is still absolutely worth playing uh it's it's a great introduction to this game for new players and there's a lot of new stuff in it uh, for old people who already know the game backwards and forwards, there's more secret seashells, there's more heart pieces, the bosses have new mechanics that they surprise you with, like the boss mm-hmm. in Eagle's Tower, it's basically an entirely new boss, so there's there's a lot here to appreciate, even if you think you can beat this game with your eyes closed. Trust me, you can't. <laughs> yeah, it definitely feels like a hug. Like, I was not feeling so great today, and I just lay in bed for most of my day, kind of warm, playing this game, and it felt really great. Like, it just feels good to play. Um, and I think if you're someone that has never played Link's Awakening before, um, then you should definitely check it out. I think it's, like, one of the seminal Zelda games. Um, I also love, like, Wind Waker but like I know that and Twilight Princess but I know that like I'm in the minority so um but this is right up there for like one of what I would consider to be one of the seminal Zelda games and I know that people have been complaining about frame rate issues yeah um loudly um but they didn't I wouldn't say that they impacted my playing experience to the point whereby I felt like I couldn't play the game at all like I noticed them when you move between areas sometimes um that was when they kind of stood out Mm -hmm. to me but not in a way that was like oh, like, this is unplayable, I'm gonna put it down. Like, I wasn't even mildly inconvenienced by them. So, just if you're put off by the fact that it might, that, the, that there'll be a bit of a slow transition when the text for the new location you're in fades into the screen, because uh, that's what people are really complaining about, um, I, I would just, yeah, just, I, I, I would say I've had no personal issues with that, and I guess Andrew hasn't had either, and Andy hasn't had either. Nah, I I, I didn't even have it on the notes to mention it to be honest i i did notice it's a little choppier at the the main village at the start mm. um and that's because uh in the original game like there was a set square for every every screen uh this one you've got the peripheral next screens on there at all times and there's like this yeah everything is moving yeah everything is constantly in motion in the main yeah village. you can you can see the the enemies walking around to the right of the village if you're on that side oh scary (laughs) seeing how close these monsters are to the peaceful village yeah these guys are very close to home yeah there's like a blurry effect which is a a stylistic choice around the edges and i I think that's what's causing it to uh to be a little little choppier Mm. 
Um, but but once you're in the the you know the motion of the whole game, you just I haven't noticed it since, and you know it's not really a big deal in a lot of areas of the maps, and definitely not a big deal in any of the dungeons because that has sort of retained the the sort of uh, screen by screen thing more uh, closely than the rest of it. But uh, yeah, just 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 a great game. Like as I said at the top of this part, Link's Awakening is one of my favorite games of all time. Easily top ten, if not top five. Uh, and the remake has not changed my opinion on on that at all. If anything, it's it's a, sort of reinforced it and reminded me what I love about it. So yeah, highly recommended. So uh, are we going to talk about that. the chamber dungeon at all? Oh, you're right. We probably should. Uh, the reason I haven't mentioned it is because I looked at it once, did one, and then bailed and never went back to it. I mm. did two, and then I was like, I, I really want to I want to beat this game today. So I, <laughs> I moved on from it after that. But I am I am going to come back and do them. Uh, but it, it's exactly what it looked like it was. It's just they give you basically a puzzle that you have to solve by slotting different rooms onto this template that Dampe the Gravekeeper shows you, and all these rooms are just taken directly from the dungeon that you just finished, so there's nothing new to see in any of these rooms, and then you have to do the dungeon, so you're going through and you're doing rooms you've already finished, puzzles you already know the solution to, fighting bosses you've already beaten. Uh, <laughs> this, this, this mode is... A conundrum. <laughs> I don't know. I think the way to think about it is less of like a, a, a Zelda maker, more of just a remix, a dungeon remix. Yeah. yeah. Remix yeah. is the word for like this entire game. This feels more like a remix than a remake. And like mm. the, the dungeons, it does feel like you're throwing things in a blender and turning it on frappe. <laughs> but uh, <laughs> I, I can totally see Link's Awakening, this remake, serving as like a template for more remakes of this type of the 2d zelda games and if that does happen hopefully it'll become more like a zelda maker and not like a mad libs basically <laughs> zelda mad libs <laughs> yeah uh, <clears throat> zelda mad libs where you're working from a list that somebody else has already written for you it's it's really limited and unfortunately a lot of the heart pieces and bunch of other items are locked up in this mode so if you want 100% completion you're going to be spending some time in here this is the weak part of the game but you can completely ignore it so <laughs> yeah much like we have I mean I didn't hate it I just yeah didn't love it either it was just a thing I had to do yeah, yeah. busy work exactly is is it it's busy work cool so uh, basically the three uh, glowing reviews uh and we all think you should try it, especially if you've never played the original, because uh, this this is probably the most pleasing and you know uh, easiest way to play it now. Um, okay, and the final game we're going to talk about this week is uh, one of my favorites uh, in recent years, uh, Nino Kuni: Wrath of the White Witch, uh, which got a re-release on uh, Switch on the same day as Link's Awakening, so it's unfortunately probably going to get lost. Uh, in some of that, uh, it has been remastered <laughs> on other formats, but the Switch version is is the PS3 one ported over. That's fine. Uh, it's a great game regardless. Uh, Andrew, I'm going to let you lead this one because you're playing it for the first time, but I can contribute. Yeah. Uh, so, yeah, uh, hit us with what you think about it. Well, these are 
my earliest, earliest impressions, because this is a 100-hour RPG, and I've only played it for two. <laughs> so <laughs> these are very preliminary impressions of it, but they are good preliminary Yay. impressions of it. I was really impressed with this game. Uh, going into it, I was kind of thinking of this as like anime never-ending story, and I was being very cynical about that. And the more I played it, the more I realized that's actually exactly <laughs> what this is, but that's not a bad thing. Because uh, <laughs> uh, Neverending Story is actually a really good template to follow. Uh, it begins in something resembling the real world, even though it's clearly not. Uh, you, As this boy named Oliver, who goes by Ollie, uh, is getting up to mischief with his best friend. I think his name is Philip. And... Uh, <laughs> this this threw me right from the start is how these kids talk the words they use like uh philip literally says be there or be square and i was like oh my <laughs> god but they just keep using these terms and these phrases that are like the kinds of things that adults in the 1950s thought kids used that's how outdated <laughs> this stuff is but they just kept using it over and over and over and over again it just became this aesthetic that i just accepted that this was just how kids in this parallel world that very strongly resembles ours that's just how they talk it it just started to work after a while and i, I have no explanation for that but anyway Oli and Philip are getting up to some mischief. Philip has made this this car that, quite frankly, nobody that age has the ability to make a car as nice as this one is, but he's made it. And Ollie goes on the first ride, and he gets into a crash, and he ends up in the river, and his mom shows up and rescues him. But in the process, uh, she ends up dying. Uh, and that's, that's the impetus for this whole story, uh, is kind of Oliver confronting his, his grief. Um... Uh, because he's alone in his room three days after it's happened, and he's holding this toy doll that his mom gave him uh, named Drippy, and he starts crying, and his tears land on Drippy, and lo and behold, his tears cure Drippy of a curse, and he comes to life, and he's this Welsh-accented, very brusque, very pushy fairy lord, or so he claims. Frankly, I don't trust anything <laughs> the strippy guy says. <laughs> and he guides Ollie out into the world. He gives him this book called The Wizard's Companion and helps him find a wand and sends him through a portal into another world where Ollie is like this chosen one called the pure-hearted one. And he learns to be a wizard and he just wanders the world uh writing wrongs and trying to take down this this big bad who I don't know much about this big bad yet but I'm sure there's a whole interesting story behind that and that's as far as I've gotten but I'm I'm super super into this uh there's a lot coming out just this week <laughs> this is a ridiculous week for releases the one coming up uh and I I I feared Nino Kuni would be the game that I played for a few days, and then I just wouldn't get back to it. I already have several RPGs like that on Switch, uh, and I thought this would be one of them. But I think I want to keep playing this, so if that does happen, I'm going to feel really bad about it. I'm not going to forget about this one. I'm very drawn to what this game is, but Andy has played it much more than I have, so maybe he can help me actually talk more about its combat system. Yep, that's the one thing my memory is pretty... <laughs> 
<laughs> pretty low on, but uh, I can give it a go. Uh, I I remember it is more of an action-based JRPG. It's not all turn-based. You have freedom of movement. You can run around. It's a bit like Tales series in that respect. Yeah, yeah. That that was the first thing my mind went to. Is like this plays a lot like what I wished Tales of Vesperia <laughs> played like. Mm, yeah, yeah, you're not wrong. Um, also, the there are uh, Pokemon, but they're called familiars. <laughs> <laughs> that, that's my biggest question. Is this a Mons fighter or not? Because I cannot tell at this yeah, early stage it's, it's what, 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 what the emphasis on the it, It's kind is. of. Uh, for all intents and purposes, they are, they are Pokemon. You do collect them. You do level them up mm. and evolve them. Uh, they use a different word for evolve. Something like transmogify or something, <laughs> stu- something ridiculous, just so they don't get sued. Where do the familiars come from? Like, am I capturing enemy monsters and they become my familiars, or are there just like, like, like the mana series where there's just a preset set of magical creatures that I align myself with at various you, points? You, you capture them, but my memory on how you do that uh, is off. I think yeah. there is a mechanic, um, and I can't remember what it is. And I, Jenny, yeah. oh, can you remember? Um, I, uh, the last one I played was two, and I know in two you just kind of like happen across them, and they're part mm-hmm. of the story. Oh, they're, yeah, they're dif- they're different. They're the they're the Higgledies in there, and they're 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 completely different from the enemies. But these are actual enemies that will join you in combat, as well as the other party members. Uh, it's just um, with Pokemon out in November. I don't know if I have the the stamina, the patience, or the the inner will to deal with another gotta catch them all game this year <laughs> you can absolutely ignore it so in my original playthrough i stuck with the original set that they gave me mm-hmm. um right up until the end where i'd captured something more powerful and just switched to that to, to beat you know particular fights um because uh, you know enemies have weaknesses monsters have strengths that sort of thing yeah so it, it, it is a thing that you can ignore you don't have to you know, jump into endless fights to level them up. Like Pokemon, you don't have to do, you know, forced trainer battles with people to level them up or anything. Yeah, just think of them as party members, really. Okay. Uh, okay. Yeah, and you will you will get some organically through the game and through questing um, when other people join your party as well. Like, you don't need to worry about farming them in the wild. Yeah, I, honestly, I remember getting stuck on a boss and then looking it up online and then people going, hey, have you tried the, using this familiar? And I was like, oh, of course, I'm just using... My, my starter set so. <laughs> um what what i will say as well it's one of those where it's got you know it's got a legitimate legitimate ending um goes through all the usual jrpg rhythms you'll you'll tick off the you know the the trope list i'm sure mm. um it's but it's all enjoyable uh you'll you'll get a satisfactory ending and then there'll be a bunch more you can do as well uh like a good like 20 30 hours um, similar mm. to Dragon Quest XI, actually, which we'll we'll get on to next week. Oh, but no. <laughs> yeah, that's the that's the game that I think is really gonna kick Nino Kuni out of my my cartridge slot. It's like, sorry, Dragon Quest XI. <laughs> both both are utterly fantastic in their own in their own ways. Um, I know you said you were worried about pacing. Yeah, the the battles seem kind of slow at the start, and I've played level five RPGs before, like Rogue Galaxy and. Dragon Quest Eight, love both those games. They're both great RPGs, and but they were both RPGs with a lot of battles, very high encounter rates, 
very high random encounter rates, but the battles go by really fast, and the mm-hmm. results screen goes by really fast. I did not get that feeling in Nino Kuni, especially the results screen felt like it was very laboriously going through all the things it wanted to show me, and it's like, can I just just get on with it, please? Yeah, I, I'm a little worried about the game as I have more and more characters and more familiars, and I'm just 30 hours in, and I'm just feeling like I'm having hours added to my playtime just watching gold tally up. I'm a little concerned about that. So, uh, from memory, so I, I ended up reviewing this for an indie site back when it originally released, and I was, you know, trying to rush through it because I had other other things to, to write about as well. Um, so I wasn't doing any, any of the grindy stuff. Uh, I did get to a point where I had to stop and grind uh, to, mm. to overcome a challenge. If there, if you hit that part, let me know because I can tell you a location where you can uh, get an enemy that comes up fairly common and will give you like heaps yeah. of levels just after a couple. Pin into power leveling metal slime. Yeah, yeah, mm-hmm. yeah, pretty much like that. Um, and this is a thing that I was worried about replaying. I bought it along with Link's Awakening on Friday, and I'm just like, I don't know yeah. when I'm going to get to play it. And <laughs> I've come I've come up with a new rule with these sorts of games. Uh, if it's a JRPG I've beaten before, I'm going to play it on easy, because I'm only here for the story again. Yeah, there is an easy and a normal mode. I, I played on normal. Yeah, I played it originally on normal, beat it on normal. I, I have nothing to prove to this game. I, I'm just going to play it on easy <laughs> when I play it. Like the, yeah. I'm just going to brush through it. That's fine. Yeah. The difficulty even says easy is for people who just want the story. Yeah, exactly. And I, I think I'm going to do the same with Dragon Quest XI as well as the, the speed-up options they give you in that <laughs> um, A couple of things you didn't get to cover, presumably you haven't got to them yet. So there is, um, and it's the thing I've wrote about uh, for IGN uh, when it first came out. It was actually my first piece for them. Um, and it's about uh, how the game is about coping with depression. Oh, uh, yeah. okay. So, so Ollie is basically, you know, he's in a deep depression because of what happens to his mother. He blames himself, and so he should because it was his fault. Exactly. Yeah. Well, there is that. There, there. That monster did cast that spell. So, like, yeah, Ollie uh, was not being a good boy. But no. the only reason it happened was because this evil queen in another universe wants to kill him. Uh, so, uh, yeah. So, um, and and the my my piece on that was basically my reading of the story um because mm-hmm. it was you know he's at his lowest ebb he turns to mr drippy who's the thing his mum gave him um for comfort and mr drippy gives him hope that hey you know you could still bring your mum back to life if you come save our world and mm-hmm. it gives him something to focus on uh you had here in the show notes that they they haven't beaten you over the head with his his grief in that yeah not yet um, well, part of the, the another game mechanic that comes up is when you're doing quests and side stuff, uh, you can uh, you find people who are like missing something of themselves. Oh yeah, yeah, the the, the, yeah. the heart stuff. I, I, yeah, yeah. I, I've gotten um, the spells to do that, but I haven't interacted with that system yet. So the things that people are missing are, are, are things that depression will cripple for you. Oh. So uh, so it'll be you'll feel you know you you won't have enough happiness, and basically you you go off and you find someone who's got too much happiness, borrow a little, and give it back to that other person. Okay. So he spends his time rebalancing. <laughs> this is his, the never-ending story. I yeah. mean, come on. <laughs> it, it's done in a completely like twee manner. Like it's kind, yeah. it is kind, it is kind of on the nose when you get get really into it. But I did really appreciate that about it. And and there's a there's a bit later on. I don't want to spoil it. Um, but 
yeah it, the there's key story fights where that becomes like really evident like what they're doing in the story mm. um which i really loved and it's sort of where i came at that was it was kind of mirroring uh my coping mechanisms when i when i was depressed like he's depressed he turns to a fantasy world i was depressed i was playing games just to have me thinking about yeah. something mm. yeah <laughs> that sort of thing so I, I i really appreciated that about ollie um and it was also it also came at a time where like i still love jrpgs but there are, there were so many that was trying to ape final fantasy's um <laughs> shtick you know like big spiky yeah. hair massive swords and here was this little kid who was just a bit sad and he wanted to do better and i liked that Mm. Yeah. For me, that game was Dragon Quest Eight, but yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. So um, oh, heaps of games I could just list of six months of Street Fighter Four, where I, that was all <laughs> I did, and that just kept me mentally strong. But yeah, uh, that that's where he's he's coming at. That was my reading. It's it's not a story thing. Like there's no like, haha, he was imagining it the whole time or anything like that. It's just uh, that was just my reading of what they were getting at. The, this this first game was was made in conjunction with Studio Ghibli, yeah. Um, which meant I think they had some story input and, and they did. Oh, I'm some sure cut- they did. Yeah, and they did some cutscenes uh, which sort of stick out. Uh, <laughs> alongside the ninja stuff, which is annoying because the ninja stuff looks nice. Um, yeah, but it is beautiful and and really well done. Um, and of course, Ghibli have this tradition of dealing with, uh, you know, their protagonists are always kids who are going through a relatable thing, and then it turns into a fantasy thing. Mm-hmm. Um, so Spirited Away, it's it's about a little yeah. girl who's who's worried about moving to a new town, and then that manifests in this big extravagant story um it, it's sort of you're on similar ground here so yeah i'm glad you're enjoying it because i i i know you're here nor there enough uh jrpgs <laughs> um uh, and i did yeah. think this one would be more your style uh-huh. i think i think the story will sell you for sure it's my whole thing with anime tropes and like as i've said before i i am aware that most of the anime that gets imported to the west is shown in anime meant for teenage boys which is probably why i don't like most of it this does not feel like it's drawn from that it feels like it's it's a different kind of story which i think is why i'm enjoying it as much as i am yeah um yeah so uh, keep us posted on that i hope you do keep playing it um but i can't certainly can't blame you if you bail for dragon quest 11 because that is phenomenal (laughs) as well um, it's a big year. There's still a lot of the year left. I mean, I, I absolutely want to play Switcher in October and Dragon Quest Eleven. You know, Dragon Quest Eight. I've said several times on this episode already is my favorite JRPG. Uh, so yeah, I want to play Dragon Quest Eleven. But in, f- in, in fact, you know what? Damn you! Because I, I I was gonna f- <laughs> I was gonna finish Link's Awakening and Doom Three because I'm very close to finishing that, and then I was gonna go back to Fire Emblem. But you know what? I think I'm gonna boot this up instead. <laughs> Just go back to Fire Emblem, man. You've already played this. Play something. Oh, it's, it's so good. New. <laughs> but anyway, I, I hope that I have time to get back to this this year. But this will always be in the forefront of my mind based on what I've played already. And the next big game isn't out until Thursday, Darksiders 2. So I'm sure I'll spend more time with this and I'll be I'll be wanting to stay with it even longer. <laughs> okay guys what are we playing this week andrew we'll start with you okay (laughs) 
everything out next week, and I'm going to try to play as much of it as I can. Uh, Dead by Daylight Definitive Edition is another asymmetrical horror multiplayer game, sort of like Friday the 13th that I played last month, but this one has monsters from multiple franchises. Uh, I'm going to play that some, and then Darksiders 2 Definitive Edition is out Thursday. That's a sequel to Darksiders I played earlier this year. I like that well enough. This is, game is supposed to be even bigger, even better. And then Friday. Friday's a big day. Ori and the Blind Forest Definitive Edition and Dragon Quest XI S Echoes of an Elusive Age Definitive Edition. The next week is Definitive Edition Week, basically. It, <laughs> it should be a good week. I, I completely forgot about Ori. No, I'm going to play that. <laughs> <laughs> it's uh, not until Friday. You got time. Yeah, so I'll, I'll definitely have uh, Link's Awakening, if not finished today, uh, finished tomorrow night, I think. Uh, I do plan to jump back into Fire Emblem, but now Andrew's got me hankering for Nino Kuni. Uh, I'll let you. I'll let you know how I get on with that one. Uh, Ginny, what are you going to be playing? Um, I'm going to be looking at uh, finishing Link's Awakening, um, and then Goose Game, and then I'm probably going to crack into Astral Chain. Oh yes, you were away when that came out, weren't you? Yeah. So catching up, catching up, um, and yeah, I uh, hopefully I'll have time to crack into that. I had nice. Dragon Quest Eleven on my list, but mm, time too much. Mm. What you do is you get it and then you save it for like a Christmas-induced JRPG coma. <laughs> That's what Switcher is going to be. I all all summer I've been imagining myself at my my family's house on Thanksgiving and Christmas, ignoring them and playing Witcher. <laughs> Sounds like a normal Christmas to me. <laughs> Thanks for listening to this episode of Switch Focus Podcast. If you enjoyed this episode, please leave us a review on iTunes. It really helps us get noticed. You can also listen and subscribe on Stitcher, TuneIn, and other podcast services. Uh, be sure to join our Discord server to interact with the lively Switch Focus community. Follow us on Twitter, YouTube, Facebook, and at switchfocuspodcast.com for updates, news, and other content. Links are in the show notes. If you'd like to support the show, you can buy us a coffee. Details are on our website. Thanks in advance. Uh, if you want to follow us individually, Andy is at Flame Roast Toast, Ginny is at Ginny Woes, and I am at Play Critically, streaming at twitch.tv slash playcritically. Watch out for the geese. <laughs>